Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Pastor Adam Moline. With me is Pastor Tom Goodroad and then also our vicar. Uh, we serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, we're happy to continue to work our way through the book of Proverbs. Today we're going to be covering, uh, hopefully, chapter 3, verses 13 through 27, uh, and that's going to be the focus of our study today. Vicar, would you start us off by reading those verses? Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul, an adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. All right. Yeah, we're going to start off there with verse 13 then. And uh, this whole segment that we read is kind of uh, uh, one unit in that sense. In our study Bibles, it's uh, labeled, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And as we talk again about wisdom, which is a, a large part of the book of Proverbs, it's maybe important for us to remember what the definition for wisdom is according to the book of Proverbs and even what the main idea and purpose that Solomon is working at uh, behind all of the Proverbs, and that's from chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that uh, fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is the theme that goes throughout everything that we see in this book uh, and is always lurking right behind uh, the words that we're reading. And that makes sense then with verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. And when we say it that way, with that understanding of what wisdom is, what, what's the reason, Pastor, that uh, one who finds wisdom is blessed? Well, I mean, uh, when... When you are looking to Jesus Christ for your salvation, I mean, your entire life is just completely and totally changed. And we're going to see that a little bit later, too. Uh, you heard the vicar read about how uh, when you lay down to sleep, your sleep will be sweet. You know, it, your entire perspective changes from, oh, everything in my entire life is going to happen in the here and now in this world. Uh, and it's going to change to, well, really, my real life, my eternal life will start after I die. Uh, so everything in this world becomes temporary, a little bit less important than like your faith, than your eternal life, than everything that God wants to give to you. So 
it just, it completely changes things. And I know that's kind of a little bit of a, I don't know what do you want to call it, a trope or something like that of a lot of Christianity of, oh gosh, the, the radical change that I found by finding Jesus Christ. Well, you know, there's, there's a little nugget of truth in there, right? Your life really does change uh, when you are a Christian versus not a Christian. Um, but that's that's a little bit beside the point, I think. Yeah, sure. And this wisdom that we're speaking about, um, you know, if we're taking chapter 1, verse 7 seriously, it really is a, a code word, if you will, or a synonym for faith. And uh, the faith that we're speaking of, Vicar, always has an object, always something that it looks to. And we, as Christians, uh, what is the object of our faith? And how does that become the central point of our faith? Well, our object of our faith is the shed blood of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Um, And without that, I don't know how we could be called blessed because we on our own are in such a terrible state. So by faith, then we acquire the forgiveness of sins and the life along with that. Right, exactly. In ourselves, we're sinful, and the faith in Jesus brings us the forgiveness of sins that covers that, and that's why our faith is in him. Anything else you want to say about verse 13, Pastor? No, I think that'll, that about covers that one. All right, so verse 14 goes on and says, For the gain from her, and, uh, well, we'll just go on. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. So, Vicar, uh, in this section, and we're going to see this in the next verse as well, we have this woman, her, that we're speaking about. Who is the woman that we're talking about? The woman is wisdom. Okay, now how come uh, she is the the object then that we're speaking about if we're actually saying that this is all about faith in Christ. Why are we doing this? Well, um, I guess in the Hebrew, on a technical level, wisdom is a feminine noun, so it's given feminine pronouns. That's why it's she and her. Uh, But that doesn't mean that it's still not referenced to Christ. Okay, so it's not a weird transgender thing. It's actually uh, just the way that real languages work, that pronouns actually mean a particular thing. They're not just words that can be twisted and used however they desire. Uh, We see this in Greek as well. In Greek, uh, wisdom is also feminine. Uh, We see it in Latin. Uh, Wisdom is feminine. I don't know other languages. I'd have to think about French here for a little while. Zut alors, jubilé tout le monde. It's just the way that languages work. Pronouns have gender attached to them and assigned to them. And we even have this in English. That's why when you're on a ship, it's a her and not a him that you're on or an it. It's a her because the the word ship is feminine. And so we see that here um, in this text as well. So wisdom is the her and gain from her is better than gold or silver and her profit is better than gold. Uh, and then even 15, she is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. What's the comparison? comparison that's being made here, Pastor, and what does it tell us as Christians? Um, well, being wisdom being more precious than jewels, nothing you desire can compare with her. Uh, the you here, I think, is a little bit important as well. Um, the you being the, the internal person, you know, out of the heart comes no good thing, right? So in and of ourselves, just by ourselves, we don't really desire um, anything that's actually really that good. It's only through the working of the Holy Spirit that we can desire anything that is actually good. Uh, So wisdom, that is faith in Christ, that is more precious than jewels. You know, jewels being 
kind of a, a concentration of wealth. And just like gold and silver, things like that, it's you know one extremely valuable thing that is very small. So many people can desire that. You can carry it around. Back in the day, they would use it, you know, as trading money, things like that. So something that's very desirable in the here and now, um, even that does not even compare with faith in Christ, the eternal salvation that you can receive through this faith. Uh, and nothing you desire can compare with, with this. Nothing. Nothing that you can desire. And, you know, a lot of times uh, people will kind of uh, put more importance on certain things than they really should have. So here I think that there are two things that are being kind of compared. First of all, jewels. Like I said, is this is kind of a temporal wealth that we can think of in the here and now that we really desire. But then he goes on to say nothing nothing that you desire can compare with her. Well, some people will, you know, say, oh, well, th- there are things that are more valuable than, than money and gold and jewels, right? Things like love. Or, or family. Family. Uh, yeah, all these types of things that are, are really not bad things. Those are good things to desire, right? If you have a, a spouse, you should love your wife or your husband. You should love your children. You should love your family. Those are good things, right? Uh, but even that, even the love of your family, for your family, even family and friendships and anything like that of this world does not compare with faith in God. And it's weird to say that, right? Because, um, you know, we have these words that say faith and wisdom uh, from God is very, very valuable. It sure doesn't seem that way, right? We come to church and what do we get? Well, uh, we got some water poured on our heads uh, and we maybe remember it or maybe we don't. We got a teeny tiny little stale piece of cracker and uh, a little tiny shot glass full of wine. And uh, it's not even the kind of wine that we like to drink at home. And then a guy talked at us and sang at us for an hour and 15 minutes. You know, that doesn't seem valuable if we're valuing things by their worldly use or by the way the world sees them. Where's the value come into that? And I think that leads into verse 16, right? Uh, it's, It's telling us why is it that wisdom, faith in God is valuable, Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Now, how does this tell us what the benefit that is valuable uh, in faith is? Um, Because all of these things, I know, yeah, you're making a face. My English is me good. Yeah, stick to French. How about that? (laughs) Très bien. Très bien. Um, Well, I I think this is what you're getting at here. So this is the way I'm going to answer your question. Hopefully it works. (laughs) But um, because all of those things on the surface, you know, all the things you described, going to church, uh, having a guy talk at you, uh, getting water poured on your head and uh, getting a little stale cracker, a little piece of wine, all that stuff, you know, you're right. Without faith, all those things really are just the way that you described. It's just water. It's it's just a cracker. It's just wine. It's just a guy talking at you. Um, without faith, all those things are nothing. But when you do have faith, when you are a Christian, uh, that is where all of those things have value because it is faith that receives all the things that are behind that. You described water being poured on your head. Baptism. Baptism. Uh, 
faith receives the forgiveness of sins that is poured upon you in baptism. Faith receives the forgiveness of sins in the Lord's Supper. It's not just a cracker. It's not just a little cup of wine. That is the true body and blood of Christ in, with, and under the bread and the wine. Um, And it's only through faith that you can really receive that, that you can really believe that, and that you can really see that. Without faith, you're not getting any of those benefits. In fact, it's it's a uh, detractor to you. It's not good for you, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. Um, that's, that's why it's so important when, when the pastor is preaching at you, you know, just saying all these words and stuff at you. Yeah. To the world is going to sound ridiculous. And like, he's some kind of fool, like he's a crazy guy. Right. Uh, but with faith, you can understand all these things that he's actually preaching to you, not just at you, uh, as the word of God, uh, the word of God being present and informing you as a Christian, informing your Christian conscience. Yeah. Uh, and, um, so, even verse 16 here, long life is in her right hand. Um, St. Augustine in his book, City of God, talks about uh, death in such a way. He says, you know, your end state for everyone is the same, whether it's long or short or whether you die in a fire or just naturally uh, you're dead either way. But when it says long life is in her right hand, a faith vicar, what is it saying? And what's the, the real thing that that um, it's talking about? Or, or maybe I should say, how long is the life that Solomon is hinting at? The long life he's talking about is everlasting life, as far as I can tell. Um, We are being given, even now, in our temporal bodies, a life that will continue forever. Right, and it'll be in the presence of God, seeing him face to face is what the the epistles say, which brings us a joy and a peace and a bliss that is uh, inexpressibly wonderful and beyond all of our human comprehension. Well, we'll keep on talking some more about wisdom and uh, how she is important and what she does. We come back after the break. This is Equipping the Saints. to K-N-N-A-L-P, 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 3, and we've been talking about wisdom and uh, wisdom of course being a synonym in this particular instance for faith faith in Jesus Christ and we were talking about how that faith uh, is more precious than gold or jewels or money or any sort of mammon or wealth that we can find in this world because it gives us eternal life and peace and pleasantness uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ by bringing us forgiveness of sins. That brings us then back to verse 18. It says, She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Now, we have um, these words, tree of life. Uh, Vicar, where in the scriptures do we read about a tree of life, and why are these words related uh, to what we're hearing in this proverb? Um, So the tree of life obviously is in the Garden of Eden. It's the fruit by which Adam and Eve ate and then were able to live forever, apparently. And uh, so now it's showing up again, telling us that wisdom, who we also have been calling Christ, is now the new tree of life by whom we have life forever, as it was just got done saying that you will live forever by her. So, 
Yeah, it's also seen then in uh, the, the book of Revelation as it pictures the mm. new heaven and the new earth, that uh, the tree of life is there bearing her fruit in season 12, uh, 12 crops a year or something to that effect. I'm doing it off the top of my head. That tree of life, yeah, the way you said it, I like a lot that that tree of life is now Christ. And when we say that, um, it's not just Christ like Jesus is my homeboy, kind of Christ, but instead we're talking specifically about Christ crucified and risen. And there's there's an interesting comparison that's there, right? If you read in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve see that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is pleasing to the eye, and so they eat of it. And you compare that to Jesus crucified that does not look that tasty. <laughs> it does not look good for food. And yet um, we do eat Christ crucified. Where do we do that, Vicar? When we come up to the Lord's altar and the pastor says, this is the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And the only way we can know that that's the truth, that uh, that not very uh, appealing looking thing is actually good to eat is by the word of God coming to our ears. And that's that's really the theme throughout all the scriptures when we talk to the the about the tree of life, that God's word is the thing that declares one thing good to eat and another not good to eat. And uh, so we see that there. Uh, Pastor, um, anything else you want to say about verse 18? Well, you know, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who, who hold her fast are called blessed. I think an interesting thing about trees is that they kind of continue to give fruit. Over and over and over and over, the same tree will continue to give crops of fruit uh, just, you know, for its entire lifespan, right? Um, this is not true of other things like corn. When you look at corn, right, we're in Nebraska, so we can talk about corn, I think it's fair. Um, you know, you, you get like one good crop of corn and then that's it, you know. You, the, the combine just runs it through and takes what's good off of it and you just the rest is silage or, or whatever it is that you're going to use it for, right? But that's that's all that plant is good for is just one good harvest or, you know, carrots or potato plants or, you know, whatever it is. But trees are unique because they continue to provide fruit. I think that's why this is used for this particular analogy is that trees continue to give fruit. Just like Christ will continually give the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Uh, this is not just a one-and-done type of deal. Christ continues to give you his body and his blood uh, to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of sins for your entire life as a Christian. Uh, that's what you do to, you know, you continue to go to the altar to sustain your faith, to grow your faith, to continue to receive that forgiveness of sins that as you learn and grow as a Christian throughout your life, you just continue to realize how much you need that forgiveness of sins. Um, so I think that's that's an important part of this imagery is that trees continue to give just as Christ continues to give uh, from his uh, unending grace, from his forgiveness of sins, life and salvation that never, ever runs dry. Um, so I think with that, we could keep moving on here. Verse well, yeah, well, I had one more thing I wanted to say. Please do. That kind of brings us to the end of the section. If you look in your English uh, translation, you have uh, a, a skipped line here before the next little thing. This is the section of the proverb itself. And I wanted to point out the word that begins and ends this little section is this word blessed, right? So back in verse uh, 13, 
we had it begin with blessed is the one. And now at the end of verse 18, we have it, uh, they are called blessed. And in the Hebrew, it's that same way. And this is in that sense, um, it, it's the same way Jesus talks in the Sermon of the Mount. It is a, um, the word just disappeared, a... Inclusio? In, well, no. No, no. There, uh, what's the word called there? The beatitude. It's a beatitude. This whole section oh. is a beatitude. Um, I was doing it in Greek in my head, the Markariras, and I knew that wasn't right. Uh, it's a beatitude, and we bring this beatitude then to the end, where blessed is the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. That's the thing that delivers that blessing. Yeah, very good. I would I would completely agree with that. It's, it's really awesome to see the echoes throughout all of scripture, how, you know, everything that is going on in the Old Testament, we can see uh, echoes kind of uh, in the New Testament with the life of Christ. And I say echoes kind of because it's really a little bit of like the reverse of that. It's not that Jesus is saying and doing all of these things uh, just to, just because the Old Testament said or did these things, but it's the other way around. The Old Testament is saying these things because Christ is going to say these things. You know, when we see Beatitudes, blessings in the Old Testament, um, it's not like, oh, and now Jesus is going to do that because the Old Testament did that. No, it's it's going to echo what Jesus is going to say in the future. Um, and that's a very confusing thing for us to wrap our heads around, but that's really the way it is. Uh all of these things are happening because of Christ. Christ is the center of all these things, not the other way around. Uh, we'll keep going on here, though. Verse 19, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. All right, so we've got a little bit of imagery here, and it's probably pretty obvious to most of our listeners, but Vicar, for those that is not uh, obvious too, what is what is this kind of referencing back to? Uh, the deeps broke open, the clouds dropped down the dew. Yeah, uh, well, I guess when I see the clouds drop down the dew, I'm thinking of the manna that God provided for um, for the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert, um, even in our worst situations or when we think God is far from us and we feel all alone, his word will continue to provide for us. And it's the one thing that will come day after day after day the same. Very good. What about this deeps breaking open? The deeps breaking open, this this is what happens during the flood, I know. Um, so what that has to do with this, I guess it's just to say that God is in control of all of it, um, that nothing is beyond his power or knowledge. Yeah, and I think I'm going to say just a little bit more even than that, Vicar. I think this is uh, referring to all of the antediluvian time period before that flood, um, specifically beginning with God's creation. God, by his wisdom, understands how the world works because he made it, designed it, put all the pieces together, even to the point where in the antediluvian world, the world is watered not by rain, but instead a dew that falls from heaven that allows the plants to grow. Uh, God provides for his people through all these processes that he has designed and intimately woven together into the creation. And, uh, you know, we we think we're pretty smart. We think we can figure it out. You know, we've 
we've been able to split the atom and we understand the you know different orbitals that the electrons orbit around the protons and the neutrons uh, and so we think we're pretty smart but we really don't actually know that much and we we couldn't duplicate what we see in the universe or in the world by our own actions and so it's teaching us about how much deeper and more knowledgeable than we are God is in that sense it reminds me of Job chapter 38. Um, you know, the book of Job uh, is mostly a dialogue between these friends who are trying to figure out by human reason why these bad things have happened to Job. And they come up with all these solutions and they're shot down. No, this is the problem with that argument or this argument. And then finally God speaks. <laughs> And God says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid the cornerstone of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who shut the sea with its doors? Uh, and he goes on and on for you know a chapter or two at least, saying, look at all this stuff that I built, and you think you can understand why these things are happening? You have no knowledge uh, when you're compared to the vast omniscience of our God. I think that is a very astute observation. Um, that's not where my mind immediately went, but that's very valuable, I think, for the listener. Um, so, dear Christians who are listening out there now, um, here's what we kind of want you to take away from this. Know that our God is the Lord. Uh, know that all things are happening according to his good will. So, trust in that. When we don't know what's going on, uh, just trust that God does and trust that he has our best interests at heart. Trust that Jesus Christ truly is the tree of life. Uh, trust that God truly did found the earth uh, and by his understanding established the heavens. Uh, trust that he knows what he is doing. You know, because here, like, I think that uh, the imagery that Vicar brought out, the imagery that uh, Pastor Moline brought out is excellent here, but... I, I think I also want to bring out just a little bit more. Verse 20, by his knowledge, the deeps broke open. Uh, Vicar said, this is the flood. I totally agree. You know, what happened with the flood? Everybody, everything was absolutely destroyed. And so that sounds tragic to us. Oh, gosh, we can't imagine the kind of uh, horror and everything that was going on. That, to us, sounds terrible. But we have to trust that God and in his infinite wisdom who founded the earth knew what he was doing. And, you know, because we're living now in 2023, uh, we can look back and see the plan that God had for everything and saw how everything is happening according to his will, how he saved Noah and his family, and how through that Christ still came and Christ still died for the forgiveness of our sins. Um, so God destroys and like Vicar said, the clouds drop down the dew, the dew that would turn into the manna in the wilderness and continue to sustain God's people. God destroys and God sustains life as well. And it's all according to his goodwill. Uh, that's what we always need to fall back on as Christians, because not everything is going to make sense in this life. Uh, there are going to be things that happen that are terrible, that make us sad or angry or depressed or anxious or anything. Uh, but through it all, we need to maintain our foundation. We need to cling to the tree of life where we truly get life from and all of her fruits. Uh, 
I think we're just about out of time on this segment here. We're going to continue to look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, starting at verse 21, when we get back. So just hang on. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints, the book of Proverbs. Uh, this is Pastor Tom Goodroad. I'm here with Pastor Moline and Vicar. Uh, we serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, I'd like to cordially invite anybody in our listening area to church. Uh, you can come and hear the word of God preached in its truth and purity. And uh, once you become a member, you can start partaking of the sacraments that are administered rightly. We're located at 3825 Wildbriar Lane. We got services Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. with a Bible study in between about 9.20 a.m. And we also have a service at uh, Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. That is throughout the entire year. So you can always come, always expect uh, divine service on every Wednesday evening throughout the entire year. So please feel free to come and join us. Feel free to talk to Either of the pastors, uh, probably not the vicar, but, <laughs> you know, he's he's not that bad. Probably. Either. Yeah, definitely not the vicar. No, I'm kidding. Uh, talk to the pastors. Talk to the vicar, who will probably just tell you to talk to the pastors anyway. Um, and we'd be more than happy to have you. All right, so we're going to continue on with our looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. All right, Pastor, what do you want to say about this? Don't lose sight of these, this wisdom and discretion, you know, talking about these two separate distinct things here. What do you want to say about this? Well, I think what's important about that is, uh, you know, when you keep something in your sight, you're watching over it. You are constantly monitoring it. And so it makes me think, you know, that's what we do with our kids. Like you go to the park, you might be talking to a friend or your spouse or whatever, but you have your eye on your kid. You know where they are. You know what they're doing so that they're not uh, doing something naughty or, you know, uh, getting injured or running away or, you know, going with someone offering candy from a van. <laughs> whatever the circumstance is, Looking you have at you, your, Vicar. <laughs> <laughs> you keep your eye on them. You're monitoring it and keeping uh, focus on it. And Solomon is saying that we ought to do the same thing with God, specifically with the tree of life that he was speaking about, which we talked about as Jesus. Um, We ought to prioritize our Lord Jesus Christ and the faith that we have in him over all those other things. And it makes sense. If uh, faith in Jesus is more precious than gold or silver or jewels, um, and, you know, even jewels being that status symbol sort of idea, if Jesus is more important than that, then we always ought to keep our eyes on him. Or as uh, the book of Hebrews says, let our eyes be fixed firmly to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What do you think? Absolutely. I think that's a a beautiful way to put it, you know, Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with this. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So, you know, we are clinging to the wisdom that we receive uh, from Christ, you know, by faith, this faith, right? 
Um, and then discretion as well, I think fits in perfectly here with the way that you have described this, not losing sight of something, you know, um, discretion is being able to uh, discern between things, right? Um, choosing what to do, what not to do, that kind of thing. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, it says sound wisdom. wisdom. That, uh, that begs a question that I think maybe we should talk about. Is there unsound wisdom? And if so, what does that mean? Um, I would say maybe yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, is there unsound wisdom? The yes would be, well, there's certainly wisdom out there that people call wisdom, but is really not very wise. Uh, so does that make it unsound wisdom? Eh, that's what people would call it, but I would say no. The no then is that, if it's not sound wisdom, is it really even wisdom at all? Right. Well, I mean, is there wisdom that sounds to our ears like it's good, and then maybe it's actually bringing something bad to us? Is the is there any examples of that out there in our world? No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, obviously, yeah. There's uh, there's so much stuff that sounds so so good, and a lot of times. Uh, People even try to emulate the way that the Bible is was written in order to make this kind of sound better, right? Um, but it's truly not anything that's actually good. You know, there's there's so many sayings out there that maybe sound like uh, they come from the Bible, but they don't. Like, oh, birds of a feather flock together. Is that from the Bible? Uh, no, I, I don't think that I've read that in the Bible anywhere. Um, things like that, that's... They're just little sayings. They sound like proverbs, right? Right. But or even, um, I would take it even a step further and tell me if I'm crazy. Things like the Book of Mormon, right? Which is this invented history that has no uh, evidence that it exists in any sense in reality. And in the middle of this invented history, you have exact quotes from the King James Version of the Bible that are taken out of their context and reinserted into a new context, or even a copying of the language of it, you know. Um, the King James says, when it came to pass that Abraham did this, uh, you have that language in the Book of Mormon all over the place, and it sounds like it maybe is scriptural just by its style. It sounds like it might be a good thing to trust and believe in, but the truth is it has no wisdom and that discretion should alert you that it is teaching you falsehood and that you ought not believe it. And if you do believe it and you're listening, you should repent uh, and leave that behind. And, and it exists in our modern world too. Those who teach 90% truth and then have a few uh, false teachings mixed in there, that does that means it's not sound wisdom, even if it sounds good to your ears. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. People can be saying a lot of the right things, but really be meaning something different. Taking your example that you just gave, uh, oftentimes Mormons will say things like, uh, oh, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. Well, when they say that, they believe that he's the son of God. Uh, they're talking about this fictional Jesus that they have made up who is the brother to Satan and that there's a uh, God. Yes, but he's just one God of many gods. And there's this entire pantheon. There's this whole mythology that they have created and just plugged in uh, a few true things from the Bible. Uh, like for example, Jesus Christ being the son of God. And they have made up all these things surrounding that, which are false in order to lead people astray. So this would be this 
unsound wisdom that we're kind of talking about here. Um, back then to my, my earlier point a little bit. Sorry. That's fine. No, <laughs> keep sound wisdom and discretion. So, uh, Pastor Moline, you, you talked a little bit about how uh, you, keeping sight of something, kind of like keeping sight of your kids, right? Well, you got to do that, but is that the only thing that you do? Of course not. You still got to get all your other stuff done throughout the day too, right? Like right now, I'm sure that your wife right now is getting many things done while also teaching your kids and raising them properly, but she's uh, very productive otherwise as well, does many different things all at the same time um, while still keeping sight of the kids, right? So part of this wisdom and discretion is knowing what is the most important and rightly ordering everything. Um, have you ever heard the saying, uh, oh, that guy, he's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Have you heard that before? No, but I do like the sound of that. I've <laughs> seen that before. It, it really tickles my funny bone. Um, but <laughs> it uh, it's, so, it's so funny because you know people like this, right? That all they do is they go around at spouting off things about the Bible. And while it's good to be dedicated to the Bible and to read, mark, and learn it and be very you know diligent in reading about it, uh, that's not the only thing that God has given us to do. God gives us many, many roles in this life and throughout all of our years here on this earth. And while there is a primary role of being a Christian, being a son of God, there's also other things that we have to do as well. So keeping sight of what is the most important thing is, is very important, but it's not the only important thing. Rightly ordering your life and knowing where everything falls um, in this order is also very important. All right, we should yeah, keep yeah, going. It's like, um, it's probably, uh, this is a good uh, inoculation against pietism, right? Which I think we are beginning to have to deal with again in a new way. Why are you looking at the time. vicar like, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I think it's there, right? It is good to be pious and to have reverence and to know what God is, but that doesn't change the other vocations that you have in this life, um, which God also wants you to fulfill and to do uh, in a good and God-pleasing way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, verse 22, we're going to keep going here because we've got a little bit left to go through. Uh, and they will be, that the they being um, you know, wisdom and discretion in verse 21, and they will be life for your soul, and adornment for your neck. All right, Vicar, this is, I feel like, pretty straightforward, but I want to give you the opportunity here. What do you want to say about this? Um, well, just that uh, wisdom and discretion, which we find in God's Word, it is that which uh, gives life to our soul. Um, it is, God's Word has always been life-giving from the very beginning. Um, and not only is it what gives you something inside your life, it also then is shown on the outside as an adornment as well. Because if the stuff on the inside is ordered right, then the stuff you're doing outside will also be ordered right and will be a witness then to people. Absolutely. I think that uh, that is well put. Pastor, is there anything you wanted to add before we moved on? Yeah, I think um, I agree with what the vicar said. And even the idea of adornment for your neck, this brings us back to what we were just talking about in the last Beatitude section we were talking about gold and jewels, right? Um, the jewels of the ancient world uh, would be put into a necklace that you wore around as a symbol of your status and who you are or into a ring uh, so that people could see it. And, you know, oftentimes these um, pieces of jewelry were made of gold and silver and that 
told people who you were, whether you were the king or the emperor or the uh, lord or, or whatever the particulars were. And instead, for you, the wisdom and discretion of the Christian faith is the thing that identifies who you are to the world. And in that way, you say, I am a Christian before you say any other thing about your status or who you are. Absolutely. Yep, I think that's a beautiful way to put it. We should be wearing this um, on our sleeve, around our neck, to identify to the world who it is that we are. We are Christians, we are children of God, and we should act like it. Uh, 23, then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. Um, What do you want to say about this verse real quick before we end our segment here? I think we struggle to understand how important this idea and concept of walking securely uh, was in the ancient world. They didn't have uh, paved roads made out of asphalt or concrete. They were made out of cobbles at the most advanced and more often than that, you know, less uh, sophisticated. You know, you had uh, stone uh, in the in the cities and stuff, but out in the country, you probably had just dirt roads and things like that. And it would be easy as you walk along that to catch a clump of grass or a stone that wasn't where you expected. The steps weren't always all the same size. And so you always had to pay careful attention to where you were walking. And the idea is that when you are in the Christian faith, that all of a sudden you have something that does secure you, that brings you safely from point A to point B, and that you are um, not in danger of being robbed or of being attacked or being uh, enslaved or any of these other sorts of things because you belonged to God and he was the one who's taking care of you as you went out throughout your life. Absolutely, because uh, the way, we have talked about this before, I think in in chapter one, especially a little in chapter two, um, where is this way leading? This way is leading to God, uh, to where he wants you to be. That's with him in the Christian faith. So, of course, God will not let you stumble or, or lead you astray on this walk to him. That about does it uh, for this segment here. I think we're going to be right back. Look at the last few verses here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints here on KNNALP, The Cross. Uh, We have got a lot of programming here at KNNA that you, the listener, I'm sure would absolutely love to dig into because we've had this radio station here at Good Shepherd for uh, several years now. Um, So if you want to go and look up our library, uh, a very deep library of all kinds of theological programming, I encourage you to go look us up. Uh, Wherever you get your podcasts is where we can be found. So uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever, look us up, KNNA, Theological Programming. Google Podcasts is going away. It's going to be YouTube Music or something like that. (sighs) Rip in peace. Well... 
wherever you're going to get your podcast from, look us up. Uh, we got so much good stuff there. Pastor Moline also puts his sermons uh, online. He can, you can find him at uh, With Intrepid Heart Sermons by the Reverend Adam Moline. Um, a lot of really great uh, theologically sound preaching uh, for you to listen to and, and learn from. Hopefully, one day, I, myself, Pastor Goodroad, will also be uh, putting my sermons online. I've got them all on my phone. They're recorded. I just... I think it should be called Battle Axe Sermons. Oh, that would be great. I, I have a I have a name in mind, actually. So okay. Before okay. I make it, you know, I, I want to I actually make it first before I talk about it, but... Uh, stay tuned, I guess. I hate that saying. I don't know why I said it, but I, I said it anyways. <laughs> Let's get back to, to Proverbs. This is something good, something stay wise. Stay tuned. Oh, no, no, no. Um, all right, here we go. So uh, we got uh, verse 23, I think, is where we were at. We just left off from there. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. Vicar, what does this remind you of? Uh, the foot not stumbling. Is this what you're asking about? Yes. Well, this reminds me of uh, Psalm 121, um, one of the Psalm of Ascents um, that they would say, presumably as they were going up to Jerusalem. Um, it just says that the Lord will not let your foot uh, tarry from the path. So it's the Lord who is directing our ways. Absolutely. And... Uh... I mean, that's very that's very fitting, too, on their way to Jerusalem, on their way to uh, receive the gifts that God wants to give them. Uh, Pastor Moline, anything you want to add to this one? We also quote Psalm 119 in the uh, service of matins and vespers. We say, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so it is a liturgical text in that regard as well. Yep. So anybody who uh, comes to matins, which is on Thursday at 1230 here at Good Shepherd every Thursday, um, that's, you know, in the noon hour, 1230, will be familiar with this line as well. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light, light to my path. All right, uh, verse 24. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Uh, this sounds so beautiful and comforting, especially to anybody who has any problems with sleep. That's usually not me, uh, but I know there are many people out there that do have problems sleeping. And uh, this is something that we should, I don't know, what do you think, Pastor? Do you think we should take this literally, figuratively, some combination of the two? What? I think it's bringing across a, a real reality. Um, again, in the ancient world, uh, every time you went to sleep, there's a certain amount of danger, especially if you're not um, in a city with walls, right? It's a time when an enemy army could come in and pillage and steal and destroy and all the other bad things that go with it. If you're on a, a, tra a trip somewhere traveling uh, and you have to stop along the side of the road and sleep there, you know, who knows who else will walk by or come upon you and uh, and perhaps put your life at danger or your, your goods uh, at risk. And so um, the idea again is is that if you are in sound wisdom and discretion and faith in Jesus Christ, um, that all of a sudden these worries and concerns are dealt with because even if I um, get robbed and beaten and thrown on the side of a ditch, Jesus, my good uh, Samaritan, will come in the end and rescue me and take me into my heavenly dwelling so that I may live with him in peace and joy forever. Absolutely. It's... Uh it's a sweet comfort. The gospel is 
knowing that whatever happens to you in this life cannot take away what God has promised to you in the next life that follows you everywhere as adornment around your neck. Um, it's, it's not something that, that you willingly cast off. Um, it's, it's something beautiful that we can take comfort in. We can sleep securely, soundly, knowing that God will protect us and will preserve us. Maybe not always in this life because people die and get hurt all the time, right? But especially uh, he'll preserve us for the next life. Uh, Verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Uh, What do you think? Well, I wonder if this is something that we shouldn't talk more about in our modern time today. You know, as we record this, um, there's a war going on in Asia, uh, right on the border of Europe. And there's another one that looks like it's beginning in the Middle East. And, um, you know, you see in the news, I read an article the other day that, uh, you know, we're only six steps away from World War III. And uh, news media is pushing this all the time, trying to get us to be afraid so that they can use it as a control method for uh, our world and our time. And... Um, you know, whatever happens, happens if you're a Christian, because your hope and your treasure isn't actually in this world. You have stored it up uh, in the world that is to come, where moth and rust do not destroy. And so you have no fear. You don't have to be afraid of whatever tomorrow will bring, whether, you know, uh, there is a nuclear attack or whether, um, you know, Iran invades and uh, we have to fight them off with sticks or whatever. Uh, I, It doesn't matter because our ultimate end is in Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't act accordingly. You know, if if, uh, there is a threat, you should... You should go in the basement when there's a tornado or an attack, right? Um, but at the same time, you don't have to worry about it because you know what your end is. You know that you live happily ever after with Jesus. You know that, hey, verse 26, the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Um, God will keep you from stumbling and, you know, staying primarily in this life. He wants to catch you up and uh, bring you to be with him ultimately. And whether that comes by uh, living a a long and fruitful life, 113 years or whatever, and then dying peacefully in your sleep surrounded by family, or whether that happens by uh, going to war and uh, witnessing all these horrors and and dying uh, in a war or at battle or any other bad way, God will preserve you and God will bring you home to be with him. So don't be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Notice the wording there, not if it comes, when it comes, because the Lord is our confidence. The Lord will keep our foot from being caught. Vicar, do you think that people today uh, live in that way, that they have their confidence in Christ and that uh, they are able to... um, live without the fear that we're talking about? I think people definitely can. I don't know how many people do. Um, Part of our life as a Christian should be our faith always growing. And so this terror and this persecution that's being talked about here um, is a means by which actually our strength or our faith can be strengthened. Um, So uh, sometimes as Christians, it's a good thing when these things happen to us actually, because then God's giving us an opportunity to um, strengthen our faith in him. 
to confess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whenever God allows these things, I mean, God does not cause all these bad things to happen, but he uh, allows us to be tempted. For example, God does not tempt anyone, but his intent behind it is to always bring us closer to him, uh, to, you know, when we are in the midst of some kind of pain or suffering or um, some kind of terrible famine or war, whatever it is, um, I think that it always prompts people to think, oh, why is this happening? Why this? Why that? All that kind of stuff. And uh, people's minds start going to like, well, is there a God? And if there is a God, why would he let these things happen and to contemplate all of these things? So God uses these types of, uh, you know, wars or uh, hardships, that kind of stuff to bring people closer to him. Because when people will contemplate whether or not there is a God and want to learn about what God actually says and does, they uh, should be drawn to the Bible. And the Bible informs people what God's will truly is for them, that uh, their sins be forgiven by Christ and that they be brought home to be with him. That's God's ultimate will for everyone. So if you are caught up in all these things of the world, if you are living in constant fear because of what you see in the news or because the money is being inflated or uh, whatever the situation may be, I think what we would all encourage you to do, and if I'm putting words in either of your mouths, tell me, uh, is to repent and instead to trust in the true wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, to cling to the tree of the cross that bears its good fruit in season, and to uh, participate in that life of the church, and thereby uh, to no longer live in the fear uh, that our political system and that uh, people seeking power for themselves uh, constantly desire to foist upon us. All right, we've got one more verse here in this kind of section, I think. Um, Verse 27. I have a question about that. Go ahead. Do you think that verse 27 goes with the section we've just read, or is it kind of go on with the section after that? Well, you know, that's a good question. And the the reason that this question is prompted is because in our English text, right, um, there is a little bit of a space after verse 27 Uh, between verse 27 and 28. So there's a space indicating that this is kind of a a break in in a paragraph here. Um, So you would think, oh, of course this goes with the previous paragraph, right? But the form of this says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. It's kind of like this uh, couplet type of uh, formatting for this verse. And that goes with the formatting of Uh, many of the following verses as well. So that's why the the question is prompted here. Um, I'm inclined to just go with the way that the paragraph kind of breaks out. I think this is kind of putting a button on the the previous paragraph here, preparing us for the next one, a a series of do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of, I feel like uh, 26 is a good summary of the section we were just in. But I'm not opposed to 27 being attached to it and being like a transition uh, that that kind of links the two of them together. I mean, in a sense, 25 itself also is um, that same format of do not do this, right? But, um, well, yeah, I don't know. Let's go ahead and cover it, I think. Yeah, um, no, I wasn't arguing about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. All right. 
So what do you think? How does this uh, how does this tie in with the rest of this paragraph here that we've gone through? I think this is another one of those practical wisdom things that comes out of having the proper faith, right? Uh, when you have the ability and you see someone around you in need, um, if you have the proper faith, you do what you can to help. Uh, this is, again, the parable of the Good Samaritan that we just mentioned a minute ago. Um, there was people walked by and they had the ability to help the man lying in the ditch, but because they did not have the proper faith, they crossed by on the other side. Whereas in the Christian faith, we see someone in need. If we're able to help, we do what we can to help. All right. So I've got a question for Vicar now. Uh, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. What is good? Uh, good is... I think there's multiple answers to this, by the way, so just know that. Okay, well, I, th- I think here, at least what I'm thinking of is um, uh, the fulfillment of the commandments. So this is the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, as well as love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and who is that due to? Well, we learn that from Christ, that even though we don't really seem to deserve it since we're sinful, he still gives it to everybody. So we, too, are reckoned the same way as Christ to give it to everybody. Absolutely. Um, who is, what is this good? It is uh, loving God, loving your neighbor. So doing good for your neighbor and uh, sharing the ultimate good. That is uh, the good news, the gospel about Jesus Christ, that he lived, died, and was raised again for you and for the life of the world. So that's where we're going to end our program today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we will, I guess, talk to you again later on. This is Equipping the Saints going through the book of Proverbs. Oh, oh, oh,